Welcome to the Startup to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mark. What's going on, man? Not much. You? Yeah, you know, doing me. It's been a busy day. <laughs> lots and lots of meetings, lots of like uh, heavy lifting, just a lot of brain work. Oh, man. It's good to have these days, but too many in a row just burn you out. Like, I can't believe it's Wednesday and I have two more days. Like, it's just not enough sleep <laughs> between yeah, now and the week. Seriously. Like, today I had booked, like, I booked a call this morning with another founder for Founders Club. Mm hmm. And then there was a Notion conference in the afternoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then our call, and then I have a call later, like after this call with Stripe. So it's like, you know, this kind of day, I know at the end I'll be completely done. Yeah, I basically, <laughs> like, I, I crawled home yesterday like a slug. Just, I left like a trail of ooze behind me. I just like, had nothing <laughs> left. Uh, so call with Stripe? What, what's going on with Stripe? Yeah, I, I'm I'm so surprised with Stripe. Like, I've been you know tweeting about the troubles I've been having trying to to change my integration with Stripe to support multiple subscriptions yeah. at different price tiers. Yep. And yeah, each time I tweet, like, often I'll have someone from Stripe like respond and like, oh, like you know, try this or 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 recently like basically they DM, they someone did DM me from Stripe. Say, so, hey, I'd love to get on the call to get, you know, more details about this problem you're having. Mm. And then when we talked about it on the podcast and I posted that, someone else from Stripe responded and said, uh, yeah, like, you know, basically they listened to the episode and they wanted to, to have a call about it, like about all this integration. Wow. So, yeah, that's the call we're having after this. Fascinating. I wonder, do they have like crazy internal tools that allow them to do this? Like, yeah, seriously. Like, they seem to be super responsive on Twitter. So they must be monitoring Stripe all over the place. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, Twitter's probably their channel. Like, tons yeah. of developers hang out here. Like, they probably have very sophisticated ways of watching what happens on Twitter to see if Stripe gets mentioned. Like, it takes basically no energy for them to, you know, with sufficient tooling probably takes no energy for them to reach out to people like you and be like, hey, I'm looking for info. How can we improve? How can yeah. we improve exactly. and, and I mean, it's a huge company, right? So yeah. So like, so yeah, I think I'm meeting with with the checkout team, right? So they, Jesus so imagine they, they must have a team for every single feature, right? Yeah. The oh, checkout yeah. team or uh, Atlas team, or, you yeah. know, the, the tax module team that, <laughs> that yeah. they have. Oh. They must have a team for every single product. Wild. So yeah, it definitely definitely bodes well for being active on Twitter. Like yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. There's basically yeah. There's no even yeah. It's funny like even to share your gripes of just like oh, you know I'm trying and it's not working and not complaining but I'm just you know throwing yeah, exactly. it out there for other founders to hear. It's like oh actually that's paying dividends too. <laughs> yeah no exactly. I wasn't bad mouthing them or no, like, no. saying no it's crap. And, um, mm -hmm. um, I'm leaving them and I'm going with Paddle. Like, <laughs> it's not that at all. It was like, yeah, like I'm starting to regret picking it, you know. Yeah. But I still, I still would have picked Stripe, but I wouldn't have picked the the self the, host the checkout. checkout. Yeah. yeah, I would have just built every single workflow. Mm -hmm. So up the upgrade flow, the downgrade flow, the cancel flow. Yeah. I would have coded them all on my server. Totally. 
so yeah, so I'm still working on that. Um, now, hopefully, I after this call, I'm going to be on their beta tester list. So mm. <laughs> when they release these new features, I'll get access. That'd be nice. So that's definitely encouraging to to stay with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I continue to implement it the way I, I need to implement it. Right. Which is, I, I don't remember if I went into detail about it, but it's basically allow people to have multiple subscriptions. And whenever they try to do something with Power Importer, I check all their subscriptions and make sure that they have enough of them for what they're trying to do. Right. So Yeah, because yeah. you could have multiple sites that are on different plans and you just want to make sure that the plan that you have matches at least one subscription. Exactly. So, you know, let's say you have a bunch of, of sites that have scheduled imports running like every hour and then you try to set one to every five minutes. Well, then I will check, do you have a plan that supports five-minute syncing? Right. And if not, well, then I send them to the upgrade page. Well, you need to you need to upgrade one of your old plans because you need to you need one that supports syncing every five minutes. So yeah, it's it's so complicated though. Like it's taking me long, so much time. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's so many places in the in the app where I need to do this check. Oh yeah. Right. And I'm trying to to find a way to to do it gracefully for for new users. Mm-hmm. So like when new users start using it i don't want to like block them immediately saying oh you you have too many cms items you can't you can't continue without paying right you know i mean unless i start introducing like actual trials Mm -hmm. which makes sense i think i might have to in the end instead of having this free plan that that people can use for however long they want until they they need to upgrade i think i might just have to, to yeah like offer a free plan so you try to do it and it blocks because you have too many CMS items. Well, then you have to sign up right away, except yeah. you have seven day free trial to, to try it. Mm-hmm. And if you cancel before then, well, then you don't get charged. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's on the Stripe front. I'm, I, I actually, <laughs> I have to get it done within the next five days. It's like, it's my hard limit. Oh. <laughs> and it's for a stupid reason. <laughs> it's because. I've been, you know, I, I redesigned the whole pricing page now in Webflow. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't publish the site yet. So it's the, the site is still in the old version that has the old pricing. Mm-hmm. But Audience Ops just wrote my first article. Okay. Yeah. So they've, they've already wrote it inside Webflow. It's in the CMS uh-huh. and it's set to publish in five days. Oh. So in five days, I think the whole... Like Webflow is gonna publish the whole site. I think okay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so the new pricing is gonna be up in in five days. Okay. So I have to be ready for that, which which is good. I need I need a kick in the ass. Sure. <laughs> a hard deadline. Hopefully that doesn't result in an all nighter or anything right. like that. Well, no, no, exactly. I mean, the worst case scenario is that I display the new prices, but. Uh, like I don't enforce anything or right, right. It's like pick the right plan and then just go on. <laughs> just hope they're honest and they pick the right plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, really, what you're dealing with is the yeah, like most likely you're dealing with the grandfathered people. Like yeah, because most people are going to be like, oh, I need, I need the pro plan. Let me pick the pro plan. And yeah, well, the grandfathered people, I don't think I have to do anything for that. They're all on the old plan and mm-hmm. it will it will stay active for as long as they continue to pay. Yeah, yeah. So after that, I have to figure out like how do I 
yeah, how do I reach out to them and mm-hmm. how much time do I give them to switch? Right. Okay. Uh, so they audience are off for your first article. Tell me about this. Yeah, and and it's pretty damn good. Like, nice. I'm I'm so impressed that that someone who's not you know who's not in the no code space mm-hmm. like that hasn't been doing this for as long as I've been doing it. And uh, no, he was able to research it really well and and make it sound like he knows what he's talking about. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's great. Fantastic. Uh, can you share like what the article's about or like or the yeah. title? I don't know. Anything? Well, no, I'd rather not because no uh, because I don't want yeah because it's targeting certain keywords and I don't want okay. the, sure. the competition to go and scoop me on on those keywords. <laughs> That's dope. So, uh, when did you sign with them? So, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, from from initial meeting and payment to this article, how long did it take? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I don't remember. Maybe it's been four weeks at, at most. I yeah, mean, at, at most, yeah. maybe three weeks. It, yeah, three, four, something like that. I think. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. Cause, yeah, because yeah, that and that's normal. Like that, the first quarter that you pay for, because I'm paying for like. Per twelve week period, mm-hmm. and I get six articles per twelve week period, except for the first twelve week period where you only get four mm-hmm. because of the onboarding. The you know they interviewed me and now they had to research all these keywords and right. and the no code space. Very cool. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm 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 happy with it. Awesome. Yeah. So then you'll have to do a little bit of marketing for it, I guess, too, like posting it and getting some links. Yeah, exactly. Although. They've taken care. They took care of Twitter for me. Okay, cool. So I've I set up a buffer account, and they already buffered like ten tweets for okay. that article. Wow. Yeah. No, that's it. It's kind. Of, it's uh. It's what I was hoping for, right? Yes. I, I always like to ask myself, what will it look like if it was easy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this is what it would look like. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I even told someone about it in one of these founders club one-on-ones mm-hmm. and he emailed me i think yesterday saying you know what i'm i'm doing it <laughs> I'm, I'm signing up and he said mm-hmm. did they have an affiliate program do you <laughs> <laughs> can i get you some points exactly i said nah i don't just just do it <laughs> yeah. M- mention me maybe they'll send me a free t-shirt yeah seriously <laughs> that's dynamite though that's so cool It'll be great to see the effects it has and just like, yeah, I mean, to see the, yeah, to see the outcome of the experiment. I think it'll probably take some time, I guess, to, to get the juice going, but still like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I share it, hopefully, you know, I, I do get people to come to it and, you know, it creates awareness or best case scenario, they sign up to try Power Importer. Yeah. But of course, long term, hopefully it's SEO will kick in. Awesome. Yeah. Otherwise, last week I had. A really interesting conversation on Twitter. <laughs> is this the um, the with uh, microacquire or the the retweets that's, are microacquire? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So Andrew Gazdecki is that how you pronounce his last name? Yeah. Yeah. Some, something like that. Yeah. He tweeted like I think the week before about uh, you know how, how so many companies are getting letters of intent on microacquire and how exciting it is. Yeah. And. And then I was, I was just curious. I was like, like, it seemed like a lot. Like it was like, he said over a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. And then in screen capture, if you zoom in, you were able to see it's like 137. Yeah. So 
I was like, yeah, that's a lot, but I think there's like thousands of startups like in the in the marketplace. Yes. So I went and double checked, and sure enough, there was like two thousand one hundred forty three. Mm-hmm. And then if you you know just do simple math, it's like six point four percent of all startups there get a letter of intent. Yeah. So so I decided last week I would I would tweet about it. You know, n- not not to like give him a hard time, no. but mo- mostly because I you hear everywhere, right? On other podcasts, mm. uh, even on my first million, they were they talked about it also. Like everyone is just saying how easy it is to sell a SaaS business right now. It's like yeah. it's like so easy. You just mm. create a SaaS business, you list it on Microquire, you get two to five x multiple of your revenue and. It's it's crazy. Like it it do, it's so crazy that like it feels foolish to buy in and think that it's that easy. Like nothing is that easy. Right. Exactly. And and even in January there was a hashtag like build sell thirty. I remember this. Yeah. Where people <laughs> were just jumping on this challenge and basically the challenge is in thirty days we're gonna like each person is gonna build a SaaS and then list it on microquire mm-hmm. after 30 days. So you know, with this this notion that it's so easy to to sell a business. So yeah. like, hey, let's just build one in 30 days and flip it on microquire and mm-hmm. and then take the money and laugh all the way to the bank. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I remember seeing these hashtags as well and uh I have n- like so okay, approach it with some skepticism. That seems pretty impossible or like <laughs> Who, like, are you just, like, are you building junk and hoping to sell junk? Like, is this, like, a kitschy tourist store? Like, how the hell can you flip something that has any well, that's value? It. Like, but I, that's why, yeah, that's why I tweeted that, that percentage. It's because I was saying, it. this doesn't add up to what everyone is saying, like, mm-hmm. on Twitter, in, in the forums, in on podcasts. Like, this, this message that people are saying that it's so easy to sell a business. Mm-hmm. You know, oh... Colleen to just sell simple file upload, right? Yeah, it's like, so easy. It's so easy. Just sell it. Mm. But uh, if you look at the numbers, yeah, it's you know only six point four percent will get a letter of intent. Mm-hmm. So, but then Andrew did did tell me that uh, in the end, I, I asked him outright. Like I just said, well, you know exactly how many of them sell. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> care to share that percentage? <laughs> and he totally did. He said, yeah, like fifteen percent of startups. Are acquired, so basically, when you delist it off of microacquire, there's a survey that asks you like, why are you delisting it? Yep. Is it because you sold it, or and so yeah, fifteen percent is because it's sold. Hmm. But even then, that means like, if you were doing the build sell thirty, right, you would have to build seven startups in order to sell one, right? And that's you know just a, a random sampling, you know. So for every seven startups that are listed, one will get sold. That in my book is not easy. Yeah, that <laughs> <laughs> you got to do seven build sell thirties. Yeah, right. <laughs> to sell one thing. To sell one, and that, if you built in thirty days, I'm sorry, but you're not going to sell it for much. No, exactly. Like, did you create junk? Like what? <laughs> like, where's the value? I I don't know. It's so this is so bizarre. Uh, yeah, I, I'm yeah. one in seven. Even seems a little high. I'm going to be honest, but maybe it's just because the the channel is still new that 
maybe there's maybe their criteria for what they accept is still off I, I don't know like I would be surprised if it was even as high like I, I wonder if there's some fudging or I don't know some things that don't get counted here like do we have a clear idea of the sample size like, not not that Andrew isn't being truthful but like what are we not seeing so you think like fewer than 15% are being sold yeah oh yeah well, I, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, maybe I just need to shut my mouth because, like, I don't have, I don't have like a, I don't have like a good reason to believe this. But like, yeah, like I, I would take his word for it. Like, yeah, one in seven. I mean, because even then, it's not in my my definition. That's not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if we take it for, yeah, even if we, yeah, you you put the baseline at one in seven. Like, that's not exactly. Yeah. Especially with no revenue, like, because I, I mean, this is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like one in seven. Even it gives like even odds to all companies, and clearly, if you're making some money or you have some revenue, it's going to make you more appealing. I would imagine, um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, microacquire is a seller's market, right? It's yeah. like because it's free to list a startup. Oh, sorry, I mean it's a buyer's market, like because it's free to list, so so many people can list whatever they want, right? Uh, so the buyers have like plenty of choices to pick from. Mm-hmm. So they get to get picky. They're able to be picky, and they're able to pick only one in seven. Mm-hmm. Maybe I but, should list F bars. <laughs> see, see how easy it is. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, like I've never sold a business. Like I've, mm-hmm. and but I did list a domain name a while ago somewhere else. Though I didn't list it on Microquire because mm-hmm. I was under the impression back then that they did not accept pre-revenue things. Right. So I don't know if that has changed or hmm. it must have changed because I'm seeing lots of pre-revenue businesses on there. So yeah, I tried to sell a domain name that was a pretty good domain name and it already had lot, like backlinks to it and hmm. inbound signups. Like it was, and it was niche and I've had like no success whatsoever. Hmm. So it's like, it's not that easy to sell stuff or, no. or I'm just, I'm doing it totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, something just feels weird about this. Like, I don't know, are there that many people out there that are just like, I'm willing to buy anything just to say I own a SaaS business? Like, that's almost what it feels like. Um, But I mean, if you know, if they're making real money and there's marketers out there, like, um, I know that uh, like my first million, they had a guy on there. um, I can't remember his name, but he basically like, he was a marketer and his whole thing is just like, I just buy and flip businesses because it's like, I go on there and it's like, oh, you're a... You're, I go on some channel, Empire Flippers or something, and it's like, oh, this person sells watches but has never run a Facebook ad. And it's like, perfect. I know Facebook ads cold. I'm going to buy this business. I'm going to jack up the Facebook ads. I'm going to make it work. And then I'm going to like double the value of the business because I can dump all this money into ads and then I'm going to sell it again. Like, And that works because it's like, oh, yeah, you have an, un, you have an unexplored channel or an undervalued channel. Um, but like, are there that many people out there that are like, oh, yes, of course. Like helping Americans file their American expats file their taxes, I will absolutely buy this. Like I don't know, it, it it's just so strange. Like when we think about niche businesses, it's like, oh yeah, for sure. Like I know how to market a Google Sheets add-in. For sure, I'll buy that business for six x revenue or something. Like I don't know, it it just seems so wild. But I guess like I guess that's the the thing they always say, right? Like the market is always ten times bigger or a hundred times bigger than you think, right? I mean, it's not easy to to buy a business like that, right? Like mm. you have 
unless it's fully automated and it even comes with a staff of people that, that run it, then you can just really just buy it and collect the cash flow. Yeah. Or that you have the conviction to to be like, oh yeah, you <laughs> like I can totally turn this around or I can do something with it. Right. Because yeah, because otherwise, you know, if if things stay stable and you pay 5x annual revenue, it's going to take you five years before you, you get your, you recoup your investment. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's not that bad compared to, let's say, an index fund. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, most, most likely people are expecting to, to cut that time down, like mm-hmm. in half, you know, by, like you say, using their expertise to really grow it much quicker. Mm. It would be really interesting to speak to a buyer who's bought a business on microacquire and hear about like, why did you do this? Why, you know, what, what was your incentive? What did you believe about the product you bought? How's it going? Like, I mean, what a fascinating take yeah. that would be. <laughs> well, like, yeah, uh, for years, I used to be, uh, I used to be on the, on the mailing list of uh, FEI. Oh so yeah, FE International, right? They're yeah. the guys, yeah, they so helped bingo card creator get sold and stuff like so that. So yeah, so before microacquired, you know, like they were the biggest name in town that they, they were, they would broker these deals. Right. So people would go to them, say, I have this startup to sell. And then they would write up the whole prospectus and then email it to everyone on the mailing list mm-hmm. and then, you know, facilitate the sale. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was just a lurker. Like I was just there. I wanted to see, well, I was interested, like maybe there's a business I could buy and then improve it. Or I wanted to see what was out there to like to get ideas for new product ideas. Totally. Get a, you know what kind of businesses are out there that are making good money. Mm. Uh, and often I would, because I was I was doing it for years. So more than once I got a prospectus, and when I looked at it, I was like, "This looks familiar." <laughs> and then I I go back in the archive, and I would. Like, cause I would, I would save all these PDFs on my computer yeah. and I'd be able to look back and find that same business. Uh-huh. So it had been sold and then, so someone bought it and then yeah. like 12 months later, they sold it. Interesting. So they've, and in one situation, they did grow it. Okay. But I also saw a situation where they sold it at a loss. Yeah. Okay. I mean, mo- maybe not at a loss because they did collect some of that cash flow so right but they were basically selling it to break even like mm-hmm. so they weren't able to grow it and they gave up on it and, and flipped it again okay <laughs> so yeah so even i don't think it's that easy to buy something and grow it mm. yeah it would be really interesting to talk with some people who have done this successfully i have one guy in my network who i know who bought a business and i, do, I don't know if he bought it on like flippa or something like that but he's actually investing in it and is learning a lot. Maybe maybe I'll talk with him and see if he'd be interested in coming on and talk about his experience. Ooh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just like, <laughs> like it's a very, this kind of like micro private equity, the kind of like micro buying, buying and selling businesses. It's very interesting, but I agree. Like there's so much, like, I think we just need to be a little more skeptical of it. It's like, everything's just gold plated right now. We're like, oh man, this yeah. is amazing and, like build cell 30 we got to and of course on twitter you only hear the the acquisitions yeah right yeah. like nobody tweets and says oh i tried to sell something and i took i delisted it because there was no interest yeah like 
that's not, that doesn't make an interesting tweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but really? hey, I just sold. I just sold, and then you could put in your bio, you know, the day of your business acquired in that, yeah, 2022. <laughs> yeah, your pin tweet can be like, oh yeah, exited a business. Exactly. So yeah, because um, I yeah I would to me it sounds like the dream. You know, I love I love starting mm-hmm. new products, but I. I don't have much interest in growing them mm-hmm. to like seven, eight figures. Like, mm-hmm. That that's a complete different job. Like yeah. that's that's not what I enjoy doing. So yeah, if if it was that easy to sell, yeah, sure, I'd start a new business every year. Yeah. And flip it and then start from scratch. All right. Yeah. Boom. Let's build a new one. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I guess if it took you six months to make a hundred dollars, you're selling for seven x revenue. It's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just pulling these multiples out of the air, but it's it's very interesting to think about. Uh, so I heard you on another podcast, you trader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it was a good interview. Um, you were on uh, Wanna Be Entrepreneur with uh, Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No. I actually I like I liked how it turned out. Yeah, I think it came out really good. You have a great story, so I think like whenever you get on and talk about yourself it's at least to me it's always interesting and i do a podcast with you every week so yeah i mean i like it because yeah you get to tell a story you know on our weekly podcast like maybe i could tell it once but i can't repeat the story every week yeah people would say dude you 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 already said this last week unsubscribe yeah (laughs) so yeah it's nice to talk to someone and to you know, to pick the parts of your story that might interest that audience. Totally. So on, on this one, it's mostly people that want to become like, online entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Did you do any research? It sounds like you did. Like you, you know, Tiago's audience at least a little. Yeah. Well, I met Tiago. Uh, yeah, I met Tiago through the Indie Worldwide Slack channel. Okay. Yeah, and then he had a, an episode with uh, Peter Levels. Yeah, that was really good. So yeah, so that was an amazing episode. Um, so I did subscribe to the podcast and I started listening to it. And it's cool. He, like every second episode is an interview. Mm-hmm. And the other is, it's just a solo episode where he just talks about what he's working on. And so, so it, yeah, it's it's cool. It's a cool podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, at one point on Twitter, he asked, hey, who should I interview next? So I said, yeah, I'd be up for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm no Peter Levels. But. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't sell yourself short. You you could easily fucking take out Peter Levels, do some judo shit, and just like kick his teeth in. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. <laughs> fucking come to Montreal, Peter. Let's yeah, go. If you're listening to this, Peter, it's on. <laughs> but that's that was a nice interview. Is that something you want to do more of? Or I mean, like, do you get offers to do these things often? Well, I guess you you kind yeah of I've got put your hand I've got a few yeah. yeah and often I I would you know I wasn't interested because I'm just too busy mm-hmm. but um, yeah I think I'd like to do if I'd like to do it regularly mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe once every two months or something yeah so it's like it's it depends on the audience but yeah. on an audience like this it feels like you know giving back yeah totally yeah I, I like your story and I think the more chance you get to tell it or and tune it to uh, uh, to the audience is really interesting. Like, yeah, I think it just makes for great content. Plus, it gets it promotes you, and like you have a cool product and 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 cool things to say. So yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I, I cannot. Yeah, it can only do good. Like, I mean, I, mm. I 
I really doubt I got any signups for Power Importer, but <laughs> but I'm sure nobody left Power Importer because of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Man, fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. I hate this guy. Charge I back. I'm giving him money. <laughs> And the guy spends it on judo? Oh, Fuck that. God damn it. That's the last straw. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So, yeah. That was my week. Yeah, I think I will. How was your week? Uh, week was good. Another really busy week. Lots of freelancing. Um, I've got like some interesting technical stuff to talk about this week. Um, so I upgraded to the uh, Apple M1 uh, back in January. And I didn't hit like a single snag anywhere until this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, uh, so one uh, one of my clients, um, he trades cryptocurrencies, and I've been building some infrastructure for him to be able to run back tests and test new strategies and that sort of thing. And uh, I took a serverless approach um, to running his models, which was such a cool interesting idea. So I'm using Lambda. Uh, I'm using a serverless database. I'm doing all sorts of stuff. It's very cool. Um, and so I had just made some recent changes and I was trying to deploy an update and I've been fighting with uh, Docker and ARM builds. So I didn't realize this, but you can actually provide um, Docker. When you build a Docker image, you can pass up like a platform perimeter and you can say like, this is what I want you to build. And by default, it looks seems, uh, the default param is the, the architecture that you're currently running on. Okay. Uh, so I was outputting an ARM uh, version of this Docker image. So uh, I use server, the serverless.com framework uh, to help package and deploy uh, my serverless functions to AWS. It's all hosted on AWS. And I um, uh, I was fighting with this like I my <laughs> I was building and I was I built up for one of my uh, serverless functions i actually run it as a docker container so i was trying to deploy the docker container it kept failing and i was trying to figure out like what the fuck is going on like what everything was working a few months ago and i'm like okay well it's definitely the new chip like something's going wrong here so i ended up figuring out about this platform build and then trying to figure out how do i configure the serverless framework to build the image because it's building the image for you so you have to figure out how to pass the parameter properly so that took a little little bit of uh work but like man like serverless is so fun it's uh it, it like I, i've uh, i've learned a lot because i've had to you know the work i've been doing is so um performance related so like i can't just allocate like one meg of memory to the program and have it run because you you it, um fun fact Unless you allocate up to a certain amount of uh, meg of RAM, you won't. You'll only get a partial CPU, or you'll get like a shared CPU. So once you allocate like whatever it is, one point one gig or something like that, uh, you'll get a full CPU all to yourself. Um, so I've been playing around a lot with like how do I make it run quickly, and how can I take interesting side, how can I take interesting shortcuts. So I think the next thing that I'll do there is um, a few months ago. Amazon released uh, Graviton processors, so they have ARM processors in their in their centers that are uh, that are runnable on serverless. Um, so you can actually just like lower, but you can change like one config in your uh, in your uh, application, and you can lower your bill by thirty percent and increase your your performance by thirty percent. Whoa! Just like yeah, it's amazing the 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 power of the ARM processor. 
so yeah, like, man, serverless is so fun. So I've got all sorts of like interesting like mechanisms for like, oh, you queue an event and then it'll fire off a serverless function and write to your serverless database and ping back to Slack and help you download a flat file. It's really interesting stuff. Yeah, I've never, I've never tried. Well, I mean, I've tried. I've played around with serverless, but mm-hmm. I've never actually deployed it mm-hmm. for one of my products. Yeah. Because I, I like to, well, first of all, I'm Ruby on Rails developer, so. Yeah. There is no serverless in Ruby on Rails. <laughs> yeah. We like our monolith. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm, I might be at a point now where I need to start considering it. Hmm. Yeah. Like Power Importer is growing insanely every month. And like a while back, I had to upgrade my server. Hmm. I think I'm going to need to upgrade it again. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> yeah. So wow. it's it's like I, I think I'm going to encounter some like scaling issues like at one point. Interesting. Hmm. So, so, and it's all, it's all about, it's all because of the importers that run in the background, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's not the actual web app. The web app is, is really lightweight, mm-hmm. but whenever you launch something, it runs in the background. Right. So yeah, if I could scale it to serverless instead. Could be interesting. I mean, like, especially if you're, if you can run on a low, on low memory, then because that's like fucking Amazon, man, <laughs> the way they bill makes like it's so non-transparent and difficult but they charge you on gigabyte milliseconds right yeah exactly <laughs> so if you if you're using only a little bit of memory then you can technically run a serverless function for quite a while um and it you know they you can set the timeouts and say like whatever x seconds or minutes just let it let it die um but yeah like it's quite easy to get running and as long as you're because i mean you you don't want to do things like run external um, web calls or HTTP calls because you're just holding your function open needlessly potentially. But well, I mean, unfortunately, that's 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 all I do. <laughs> but if you can write a little Go function or something that consumes basically no memory and it's literally like here's like a string and and a web hook and a it just pulls and waits, then it's like maybe maybe you could actually just run a serverless function for like three minutes, but the cost is basically nothing. Yeah, I mean, it would be a major rewrite. Because oh, yeah. right now, everything's in MongoDB. And yeah, each customer's data is in one like one collection. Mm-hmm. So their data is separated that way. So right. I could scale it to multiple servers, but then I'd have to, to do the charting myself. But, right. But uh, yeah, if it was serverless, I would have to find a different solution than MongoDB, mm-hmm. I think. I could see that. I mean, like, if you can figure out, if you can write a little automated sharding, then you could just scale horizontally forever. Yeah. Sign a few pre... Does... Uh, are you on Linode? Yeah, exactly. Um, can you sign pre... Like, can you prepay and uh, and get discounts? Actually, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the prices are pretty damn low already. Did you see Linode got bought? Yeah, I saw that. I heard that they were saying on My First Million that uh, the founder owned 100% of the company. Oh, yeah. No, it, that's what I loved about them. They were privately owned and mm. and amazing customer support. Yeah. Like So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little afraid. Mm. <laughs> uh, who bought them? A- 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 Akamai. Oh, Akamai. That's right. Akamai. Yes. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. 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 They've been, they've been around forever. Mm-hmm. Like, they were the original CDN. Yep. But uh, I haven't heard them innovate, so yeah. I, it's, it's kind of scary. Like, what, do, what are you guys going to do with Linode? 
Oh man, shut it down. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't know. Scary. So yeah. So yeah, it, I was uh, dealing with a little bit of serverless stuff. It was nice <laughs> to get my head back into it because it's it really is fun, and what I've built is really cool. Like because you can spin up so many um, serverless functions at once. I basically like I have my, for lack of a better word, like I have a model that I've written. And its inputs basically get put onto a queue. And every time a queue, you know, maybe um, input, maybe a, a set of inputs, you have a set of 10 inputs or something, uh, or 10 different model configurations, basically, that gets dropped on a queue. And then I run a serverless function that processes that queue entry and then uh, consumes the message, runs, and then writes the results onto a, into a serverless database. And... I'm basically limited by the throughput that I want, like in my database, really, because I'm dropping everything onto AWS <laughs> and just having it all working. And then, yeah, like I end up, <laughs> I end up just like, I can run like so many parallel requests. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah, it's, it's sick. Uh, so I highly recommend it from a throughput standpoint. And you can even apply to AWS and be like, I would like to increase <laughs> the number of instances that I'm running at once. Right. I, I don't know if you saw when Aaron was at Laravel. So I, uh, yeah, Laracon. I, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like he, watch his talk, but I, I lo was looking at the repo for Sidecar. Yeah, at what point he runs Sidecar in parallel like that, mm. all serverless. Yeah. For, and it just, yeah. It's wild. <laughs> you want to run 100 tests? Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Done. That's actually a really interesting application of serverless, running, yeah. uh, running unit tests and that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I was playing around with the serverless, and then probably my big undertaking this week was uh, for the uh, for the crypto project. The other crypto project I've been working on was learning about upgradable contracts. And like, man, like technically, this stuff is so interesting. It's pretty complex in a lot of cases, but like really trying to understand like because like you bake the <laughs> like you bake a contract. And like the whole problem is you contracts are immutable. So you spend all this time writing logic or writing whatever into a contract and you put it on the blockchain and then you're like, well, I hope it works because <laughs> I can't change it. <clears throat> I can change some of its state, but I can't necessarily change its logic. So there's all sorts of strategies to create these like, so the, the way they get around this is you can create proxy contracts. So it's like, oh, there's logic over here I want to call in node B. But in order to call it, I call node A and node A calls node B. And node A has a mutable reference to some address on the blockchain okay. somewhere. Um, but like, it's funny because like with all the research that I've been doing, um, it looks like the way this was accomplished more or less was people were hacking with Solidity. Like they're like, oh, they were abusing it in order to accomplish this proxy method. So there's been this... Um, so there's a lot of like example code for how to do this stuff. And there's all sorts of pitfalls and gotchas and things that you're supposed to look out for. Um, but then there's this one standard that everyone's like, oh, it's called the diamond standard. And it's really, it's quite elegant what they've done. But oh, man, it's very complex. It's a, it's a pretty heavy lift. So you're, I'm kind of weighing like what I'm doing is really simple. Like, do I really need to have a proxy contract in front of it? Like, is it worth the investment? Um, but yeah, just digging into the technology of it is really something else. Uh, I said it last week, but like, man, it's what a cool ecosystem. Like whether you care about Web3 or any of this stuff at all, it's like 
God, this is what development should be. Like something that moves quickly, developers all helping each other, creating content, creating awesome docs. Like, yeah, it's, it's just a pleasure to work in an ecosystem. Like, so yeah, I've, it's been a little overwhelming <laughs> to work on some of these, some of these contracts, but you couldn't ask for more helpful people producing awesome free content. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I, everybody in, in a world where everyone's trying to sell you a book, I can't believe how simple or, or how many people are writing about these concepts and just being helpful in general. It's really, it's lovely. So what language are these contracts <laughs> written in? Uh, they're written in a language called Solidity. Solidity. It's very, uh, it's very readable. It's very much like, so there are interfaces. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say it's a lot like small talk. It's very small talky. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you're into any of those, that, that style language, then it's very easy to read. So it's interpreted? It's compiled. Um, there are, uh, actually one of the ways they accomplish proxy contracts is you can, you can actually drop down into, uh, I'm going to use a bad word or a wrong word, I'm sure, but like there's like, um, uh, Solidity compiles to it like a set of opcodes and you can actually write opcodes directly into your contracts if you want. You can drop down into that assembly. Okay. Um, and that's actually one of the ways that people accomplish these proxy these proxy contracts. You can write these metamorphic contracts where you just like you're like here is the uh, here are the opcodes I would like you to run and you can like pass opcodes around. But that's full of pitfalls and like all sorts of stuff too. So but yeah. And and how like how do you develop on your station? in your dev station yeah so the way you do it is there are you you deploy a local blockchain so there's okay. a couple of uh there's a couple of frameworks out there that uh just deploy a local blockchain to your machine and you you can and so like we and like oh man it's amazing there's a so the one i'm using is called hard hat it's a javascript implementation and there's tons of projects out there that are like Oh, you want to spin up a React front end with like, and deploy your contract to your local thing, to your local blockchain, and you want to interact with it? Boom, perfect. Here's a starter. You just yarn run, and it, and it boots the chain. It boots the front end and deploys the contract. And it's like I did literally nothing, <laughs> and I got a local blockchain working. Like it's unbelievable how how easy it is to get running. Cool, but but you always have to compile before you can run it. Uh, how is that working? Yes, because your like a contract's representation on the blockchain is a set of opcodes. It's a compiled a compiled contract lives on the chain. So yeah, you compile it and then it it uh, you send it over. I mean, I I've been coding in Ruby on Rails now for so long, which is interpreted. Mm -hmm. I, I before that I used to code in Java, so I don't even remember the nightmare of having to compile code. <laughs> but. <laughs> But it's just like in, you know, in Ruby, like I change a line of code, I go to my browser, I hit F5 and, mm. you know, it's instantaneous there. Yeah. The changes are, but how do you do it on a, on a blockchain? Like, <laughs> well, at least locally, you, um, at, locally, it's not a problem because you can always, you can just keep redeploying to your local chain and it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't cost you anything. You can just do it. But does it do like a rollback on the, on the chain? Nope. No, it just creates a, it's just a new contract with a new contract address. Oh, perfect. There you go. You, oh, here's your, here's your new contract address with your contract in it. Whereas normally if you were going to do that on, even on a test net, like you'd have to pay some kind of gas fee in order to accomplish that. Right. 
Um, but like, do you, yeah, I, <laughs> it's so foreign to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, is, do you do like TDD? Like, or, or uh, you just put it on this blockchain on this, yeah. on your machine and you, you test it? Yeah, you can do TDD. Uh, there's all sorts of like static analysis tools that you can use to do fuzzing and um, uh, mutation testing, like all sorts of things. Okay. Hmm. So it's so it's pretty easy. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. It, okay. It's the, the, it, the, the, the I will say like the hardest part for me is you have to it, you need the words to Google. That's I feel like that's okay. always the, the trick with this, right? Like, oh, I need what's the way that I it's like even knowing the word blockchain, it's just like how do I blockchain and then like. You kind of just, you can go read a couple of articles and you're like, great, I've got some words I can now use to Google and find things. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's super fun. It's, uh, it's nice to dig into some new sexy tech. I'm, I'm definitely curious about it all. Like I would, mm. I would love to try it. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be kind of nice to do a, uh, I mean like, you know, we're not a web three podcast, but it would be kind of nice to do like a bonus episode of just like, I'll like answer your questions about what I've learned and give you a prime yeah because yeah because i'm just i'm just curious about the tech i mm. i have actually zero interest in nfts <laughs> oh yeah for sure yeah like yeah it's not everybody's cup of tea but uh, but i love this this concept of the blockchain and putting smart contracts on it mm-hmm. like to be able to to put things on the blockchain and put code that's going to run mm-hmm. with the things that you put on the blockchain that, to me that sounds amazing yeah it's it's really something else because like yeah i mean the, the other thing that i i'm absolutely thrilled with is just the way that consensus is formed because like things get rolled back like you, you can put something onto the chain but oh it turns out that it was put on the wrong chain or there's a longer chain now so consensus says we need to roll this back and put and like extend the the correct chain with with these new operations and they might not succeed because for, uh because state the underlying state has not been changed but like it's just like i just like god i just want to like high five these brilliant people who are thinking about this stuff and it's like yeah y'all are crushing it like it's the amount of brain power that's gone into all of this is is really something unique this probably is like what bell labs was like in the right in the whatever years <laughs> Yeah. So other than that, it's been, uh, I had a really lovely talk on Twitter the other day with, uh, <laughs> with Dom and Ben. <laughs> Hi guys. Uh, just chatting about freelancing and, and that sort of thing. And even, you know, before the call, you and I were t- chatting a bit about this. I don't work on day rates. Um, and I don't really know why. I think in my mind, you know, on Twitter, I was saying like, I thought it gave me flexibility to work by the hour because then I'm like, oh, I can just, oh, I can dart off in the afternoon if I have to go to the dentist and that's no problem. Um, but really what it, it just causes confusion and chaos and stress. Maybe I just need to be like, just say like, oh no, you get me on Tuesday and Tuesday is your day and that's just it. And if you don't like that, then that's, that's okay. Cause that's basically how I work anyway. But I'm like micromanage myself to the day of like, oh, make sure you, you don't build those 15 minutes or whatever else when in the end, like. You know, it ends up being a wash. I work a ton and I deliver a ton. So why be so why be so obsessive over the seconds when it's like the day is the way I work anyway? Yeah, that, I agree. Like I remember you talking about yeah that the billable hours and the actual hours you work are different. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking back to I mean I haven't done much freelancing. The ver- the two contracts that I did, I was like 
I don't know, like I, I build pretty much the whole week. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I mean, except obviously like an obvious break that I would take. Yeah. Or if, yeah, if, if for half the day I went to my kid's school to, to do an activity, well then, yeah, then I, I don't build that. But, mm-hmm. but otherwise, uh, going to the washroom and coming back, like, that was all built. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't stopping a clock to, you know, to scratch my head and then restart the, yeah. the clock again. Uh, so, yeah, when I saw Dom's tweet on Twitter saying, yeah, just bill per day and, uh, and then it's, it's all about trust. Mm-hmm. To me, it sounded, yeah, that's totally what Matt should be doing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, uh, I'm glad they, they said it because it really kind of woke me up to like, not that I don't know what I was thinking, but I wasn't thinking hard enough about how I bill. Like, I'm good. Like, I the one thing I know in this world is that I'm a good worker. <laughs> I know what. Like, I know how to create value, and I know how to deliver results for people. And it's like just work the way that you know how to work, which is like I'll give you a day, I'll give you two days, like, and that's it. Like, don't yeah, stop exactly. trying to stop trying to like make everybody happy by just oh i'll work like two hours on monday and then three hours on wednesday and that like no stop doing that <laughs> just work yeah. a full day you'll feel better about the work you do and you'll like you, you don't have to worry about like oh is, is my day planned perfectly like fuck that like just work work the way you know how yeah and ben ben was saying that his clients are really good with async work yeah so yeah that that forces them to you know to to not expect to be able to call you anytime during the week mm-hmm. and oh wait let me let me start the clock yeah. <laughs> and then get on the phone with them and then oh punch out okay yeah like I, instead instead it's no like communicate asynchronously and mm-hmm. thursday is your next day that yeah. i'll work on it thursday mm-hmm. yeah it made me laugh actually when he was like oh yeah it, like he kind of painted this really rosy picture and i was like yeah yeah okay how many calls are you jumping on like how, like, how many emails are you answering? Are you really just working two days? And he was like, yeah, they work super async. I've never taken a... He's like, I took one call with them in the last year. Everything's done over Slack. And it's like, oh, that's that sounds pretty good, actually. Exactly. It's, yes, that's how I want to work. Mm. Well, I mean, you can always renegotiate these contracts. <laughs> well, I mean, the, what I'm the way I'm working right now is the is self-imposed. I'm right. working cause, this way because I think it makes me more flexible. But the reality is, actually, it's... Maybe I just need, it's just another way of working that I need to try. And honestly, I mean, I've been saying it, but like, that's how I work anyway. I work by the day. Right. So just formalize yeah, exactly. it. But it's silly though. One day, you know, you'll bill seven hours. The other day you'll bill nine. Mm-hmm. But a day is a day and that's it. It's just, right. Exactly. It round, like the weeks tend to round out. Let it be. I mean, it also might be like right now I'm very tired and like <laughs> I'm, i have a lot of uh i have a lot on my plate so i'm just like yeah anything that gives me some time off sounds fucking amazing actually so i'm willing to try anything <laughs> but yeah i mean necessity is the mother of invention well this this nft contract is coming close to an end right no um well i mean like the smart contract stuff for the nfts for the initial drop that's coming that's getting a lot closer um to completion but i mean it's an nft game so there will be more smart contract work um for i assume they want to drop uh, have an in-game currency and kind of run all of that and plus like you know the application itself paying in and paying out like there's gonna be there's still a bunch of work to do there okay but do you think you'll be able to do that work like it 
we're on a different time schedule like oh yeah yeah for sure daily, i mean right? the, yeah the team is super good so like and you know it, it i'm <laughs> i am not micromanaged at all it's really just okay. like we have a list of issues we have a goal all right matt like let me know if there's a problem otherwise just do what you got to do and yeah so like it's not like they're like oh wednesday afternoon for 30 minutes it's like oh how what's going on with matt it's no like i have a high degree of trust in that environment at least i think i do hi manish <laughs> <laughs> well no it's yeah it sounds like yeah it, it would be better i think for you if if you could just say these two days in the week is when i'm working on mm-hmm. on your project mm-hmm. so if you want to schedule some some synchronous calls well Definitely. we'll schedule them on those days because mm-hmm. that that's all i'm doing all day so yeah and and then yeah, then really punch out on those other days mm-hmm. where it's like no, no no I'm thinking about other things, not even checking Slack. Yeah yeah oh man yeah the days that I go into D and D and forget that I'm in D and D are the best days because it's just like <laughs> oh man things have been really quiet oh my god I was in D and D all day I have <laughs> I have twenty texts and like eight Slack messages, <laughs> but you're like oh but look at all the code I shipped exactly. But yeah, it was a busy but lovely week. I love connecting with people who listen to the podcast and are just like, yeah, you know, that vibe with, with the same struggles we have. It's the best. Seriously, yeah. Like, I, I don't even look at my my follower count anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I don't care anymore. I, I don't care if I'm getting more followers or not. It's like, it, it's about connecting with people. Yeah. No, Aaron said it best. It's just like making buds. Making buds on Twitter. Yeah, I exactly. love making buds. It's the best. And I even think... It must be harder to make buds if you're at, you know, 10,000 followers or 100,000 followers. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like if you're, if you're a Hollywood star, right? It's like, it's really hard to, mm-hmm. to make friends because everyone knows who you are. And yeah, people just want to be close to you. Like exactly. it's enough for them to be close to you. <laughs> That's it. They're not real friends. They're just your entourage. Yeah. So I think I'm happy with the amount of followers I have and mm. that's all I care about and I think it for me it comes down to the community as long as we have like as long as the community continues to grow and there's like great people in it it's like i'm cool if our if my tam is this <laughs> yeah <laughs> is this exactly. community cool do you have anything else no that's it sweet all right i'm gonna take off then i'm gonna edit this podcast and have a delicious delicious supper i mean skillet lasagna last night and i'm gonna heat that shit up it's gonna be amazing <laughs> And then you're going to pass out from carbs. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. All right. I'll catch you next week. I'll catch you next week.